Hey guys, this is Rocky, and you're listening to the God Loves Miami podcast. I want to welcome you to today's episode, and I also want to encourage you to follow us on social media at God Loves Miami on Instagram and Facebook so that you can find out all that we are about and what God is calling us to do in our city. And now here's Pastor Mark. I am so excited to be here, and every Sunday that I get here, it's almost like I can't believe that we're here again. Um, and so it's going to be like that for, I guess, a couple weeks or maybe forever every time we show up um, and that people actually come out. I know that I was just talking to a friend backstage. He's like, man, you have a late arriving group. I always get nervous when, uh, when I get here because the people aren't, um, aren't arriving. This is a new little thing here. Let's see if this works today. So um, we're going through this series called Paparazzi. And um, why Paparazzi? And it's because... People are always watching, and I'm not just talking about cameras, because yeah, it's, the statistics are that we're being watched like eight out of ten times that we go anywhere in public, we are being recorded. At this very moment, there's cameras all over this room, and we are being recorded. But you know, the other thing is that there's people that are watching us. Many times when we say, hey, uh, I'm a Christian, immediately people, you know, the, the cameras turn on and people are analyzing the way we talk, the way we look, the way we treat people, the way we treat our kids. And James, the brother of Jesus, we learned last week, he gives us the tools that we need as Christians to survive in this world and to learn how to live lives that honor God. Today, we're going to be going through a message on how to make decisions that honor God. How many of you guys are ever caught in a moment in life where you need to make a decision? You're like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Has anybody ever thought that? I have no idea what I'm going to do. That's like my life every Friday night when I'm going on a date with my wife, right? It's pretty much. And the men already know what I'm going to say. I'm like, hey, babe. Where do you want to go? I don't know. And I'm like, okay, so uh, you want to go get a steak? No. Uh, You want to go get Mexican? No. Uh, You want to go get Cuban food? No. I'm like, so you know exactly what you don't want. Why don't you tell me everything you don't want? She goes, I don't know. All right. And so, I mean, listen, this has caused like me like great pause and prayer. And then God told me why. And he taught me this with a meme. And I'm going to show it to you. Check out this meme right here. Girls have a hard time choosing where they're going to eat because last time they chose, they doomed all of humanity. All right, take that off. All the women now leave, right? No. Um, But, men, I have a solution for you. All right? There is a place in Brickle City Center that has everything that you are ever going to eat. I mean, a man did this because he loves us and he wants us to keep our sanity. This is the most amazing place you could ever eat. They have Italian. They have steak. They have pizza, they have salad, they have sushi, whatever it is that you want. If you just want cold cuts, they have cold cuts. If you want ice cream, they have ice cream. If you want cake, they have cake, all right? It's on the first floor of Brickle City Center. I'm actually looking at Brickle City Center from here. And so if you have strife in your family, not only can Jesus help you, but Brickle City Center can help you, okay? And uh, edit this, send it to them so they guys, they could send us an offering today for this plug that I gave them. But you see, all of us, every single us. We struggle when it comes to making decisions because a lot of times the decisions that we make, they alter our lives. They alter where, we, where, where we're going to live, what we're going to do. The decisions that we make today, 
they just don't shape us. They shape our future and they shape the lives of the people that are around us. And today, James is going to teach us how we can live lives that honor God. How we can live lives that bless our family and bless the people around us and bless the generations to come. Because the decisions that you make today not only affect you right now. And that's why it's so difficult sometimes for us to make decisions because we're thinking about right now. But the decisions that we make, good or bad, affect our legacy, affect our story. You see, and sometimes there's decisions that we may regret. But it is my prayer that the majority of decisions that we begin to make today as a church, as a family, are decisions that as when we look back, we feel good about that. You know, the fact is because as humans, we have this fear to, to mess up. We have this fear of error. And then what happens is we wait too long. We pay uh, too much attention to the decision that we got to make. And sometimes it's like very clear what God wants us to do. Sometimes we spend too much money. Sometimes we try to save, you know, hey, I'm not going to buy this thing. I'm going to go here because it's cheaper there. But the product that you're getting is probably not as good as the one that costs $5 more. See, some of us... We have to make a difficult decision this week. There's some of you here today. You know there's a decision that you need to make this week and that it's haunting you. But we're going to pray today and we're going to seek God and we're going to learn today how God would want us to make decisions. James, he gives us three things today in the passage that we're going to read. First, he tells us that there's a problem. Then he's going to tell us a solution. And lastly, he's going to tell us the promise that God has for us. So the first problem with making decisions is indecision. We can't come to a decision. So many people, they just live their life, they wake up, they go to sleep every day, and they can't make a decision for the life of them. James 1.8 says this, that the double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Here, the Greek, which is the language that the New Testament was written, it literally means two souls. Someone who's indecisive is someone with two souls. They're pulled apart in every direction. They have divided loyalties. They have divided priorities. See, when you're trying to do two things at the same time, you're not really sure what you want. Sometimes you got to make a decision, but your double-mindedness, it debilitates you. It devastates you. It makes you unstable. There's people that we know. And maybe you're here today that you may feel unstable and shaky, like, oh my gosh, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And, and you live in this frustration because you're indecisive. This makes us unstable. The word translated unstable is confused. In many parts of the Bible, when it, when it talks about this, it's saying confused. And someone that's confused is described as, as someone who's drunk or staggering, just going about life, bumping into things. Unstable in all of your ways. He's saying, if you can't make up your mind, it produces unstable lifestyles. And all your ways will be unstable in constant turmoil. Not being able to decide makes us unstable. There's three ways that indecision makes us unstable. The first way, we have unstable emotions. You know, we're always freaking out. We strain when we can't decide. We're always worried. We're always confused. We can't sleep. We can't eat. We wonder, did I do the right thing? Every single time a decision is made, did I do the right thing? It creates emotional instability in your life when you can't make up your mind. There's a story of a guy that goes to a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist says, are you indecisive? And the guy says, yes and no. And the, and the psychiatrist says, what do you mean? He's like, I used to be, but now I'm not sure. 
Being indecisive also makes us unstable in our relationships. If you're wondering why, man, why, why, why are my relationships working out? Why am I having all these problems? It's because you're an indecisive person and it gives us lack of commitment. Being indecisive destroys marriages. Because we can't commit. We can't decide to commit. It destroys relationships with the people that we love the most because we can't decide if we want to be with them or if we want to be with our friends. We can't decide if this is a decision that I want to make over here and go over here and take my family here and and do all these things for them. We can never pull the trigger. Instability ruins relationships. See, when you're a parent, your relationship with your kids, and you tell your kids, no, you can't do that. And then a couple minutes later, you're like, okay, you can do that. All right, my kids, I mean, kids are the masters of reading their parents, all right? And they know, they know when you say, there's no, you're grounded for 50 years. And they're like, all right, whatever. But man, when we tell our kids, you're grounded, they know. Why? Because we've stuck to that. You know, when, when our, our kids do things that they misbehave or, or they get bad grades. They, they lose technology. They lose their privileges. And so my kids have straight A's. Why? Because they know that if they mess up, you know, more mommy than me. And so I thank God for, for my wife that she's very decisive when she says, oh, that's it, it's over. You know, and, and, and I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but it's just hilarious how kids... Do I need to switch mics? Kids don't know. Kids don't know that, you know, mom says, hey, you can't do that. And then what do they do? They go to dad. Dad, has that ever happened to you? Mommy said, you can't play video games. And hey, dad, how's it going? And then they'll invite you. You want to play Mario Kart with me? And then you're in, in, in the playroom and, and you're playing Mario Kart. And then your wife walks in and is like, what are you doing? Don't you know he's punished? And like, you didn't tell me you were punished, bro. It also makes us unstable spiritually. When we're indecisive, it makes us unstable spiritually. James 1, 7 through 8 says this, Every decision you then make will be uncertain as you turn first this way and then that way. If you don't ask with faith, don't expect the Lord to give you anything. Have you ever wondered why you pray and you pray and you pray and you feel like no one's listening? Man, you've been praying about this thing for a really long time. And, and you're like, pero por qué, God, why aren't you listening to me? You see, being indecisive in our prayer life, it blocks our prayers. I was praying for someone this week that was sick and that was going to go to surgery. And when I was done praying for them, they said, you know, I already know, you know, they might amputate my leg, you know. It's a, and I was like, Defeated. Like, we just prayed and we asked God to do a miracle in your life. Trust God. Believe in God. Maybe there's something in your life right now. That, man, you've been praying for it for a long time. Don't give up. Maybe you've never prayed with the faith knowing that God has the power to answer your prayers. To solve maybe the problems that you're having in your life right now, in your marriage, with your children, in your business, whatever it may be. And what we need to do is say, hey, God, I'm sorry because I've been indecisive in my spiritual life. You see, maybe sometimes we're not specific enough. 
And that happens. I want to tell you something. I grew up going to church, and as a kid, I believed that God could do anything. I mean, I grew up, and I was like 8, 9, 10 years old, and whoever came before me and asked me for prayer, man, I prayed with faith that God would heal the sick and, and raise the lame. I mean, I had all, and as I started to grow older, my prayers stopped becoming specific. I started saying, God, if it is your will, I pray that you would do this for this person. But only if you want to, God. I literally prayed like that. And there was one day that a woman was calling for prayer. And she had cancer. And she was facing, like, the end of her life. And um, I got a phone call. And I'm like, oh, there's, I, I don't want to go pray for this person. Think about that. Isn't that horrible for a pastor to say, I don't, I don't want to go pray for this person? And so I'm confessing to you. Um, and, and my wife was like, what's your problem? You have to go pray for them. And I'm like, okay. And I was going to go. And it wasn't that I didn't want to physically go because it was, uh, uh, you know, a pain to go. It was because I didn't have faith. And I was struggling with God as I'm walking down the hall of this hospital to go into this room to pray for this lady. I'm holding my Bible, the word of God. And I'm telling God, so what am I going to do? What, are, what am I going to say? Oh, if it's your will. And then six hours later, she dies. I'm literally telling God that. And I'm not telling you that I heard an audible voice, but in my heart, it was almost like God gave me like an uppercut. And God told me, it is your job to pray, and it is my job to answer prayer. And I walked into that room, and that day God did a miracle. I, I've never heard from the lady again, but God changed my heart. God healed my insecurity. God healed my instability when it came to prayer. And I walked in there, and I told her that God wanted to heal her, and that she was going to be healed by the power of God. And I read the Bible, and I prayed for her, and she was happy, and her family was happy. And I never heard from her again. But here's what I know. If she was not healed in the flesh, she was healed the moment that she came face to face with Jesus in heaven. And so I don't know what you're going through right now in your life, but I want you to know, don't doubt that God is greater and bigger than your problems. God is greater and bigger than your insecurity. And so when you come before God, come before God with assurance, knowing that he is listening to you. See, double-mindedness can lead to a double life. We can turn into Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde spiritually. We're in church we feel good, if the songs are just right, if they're playing in the right key, if, if we can hear the keyboards, and if there's no feedback, we connect with God. And then we leave, and we go into everyday life, and you're like, here we go again. I'm going back to work. I'm coming home to this man. I got to sleep next to this woman. These kids are driving me nuts. And we forget. It's your grace in my lungs, and we pour out our praise. Wow, that's crazy. The grace of God. Think about that. We are alive, every single one of us, in this moment by the grace of God. Take a deep breath. You don't deserve that breath. But the grace of God allows us to breathe that in. And now we pour out our praise. Wow. How many times have we sung that song and never really fathomed that it is because of him that we are? And so when we say, great are you, Lord, I don't deserve it. I couldn't earn it, but it's because of him. And so when we go and we live our day-to-day -day life, let's not allow indecision to cripple us. 
Let's not allow indecision to rob us from the life that God wants us to live, from being a blessing to others. Yesterday when we were at at the outreach and and there was this handicapped man and he was riding this electronic wheelchair up to the homeless feeding line with three kids barely dressed without shoes, gripping on. I mean, they were probably like nine months apart, all right? These kids were like all brothers and sisters, and they're like all about the same age, and they're all gripping on their grandfather's wheelchair to come and get food where the rest of the homeless and drug addicts and prostitutes were. And, and we fed them, and then I said, hey, where are you going? He's like, oh, I live right there. I'm like, would you like some milk? Would you like some cereal? Can we bring you some sandwiches and some treats for the kids? And, and I grabbed my kids, and I took them there. And I said, hey, you know when you complain? You know, when you say like, man, why do I got to go to sleep? Or, or I don't want to eat Mexican. I was talking about that last week that my daughter didn't want to eat Mexican. These kids would eat whatever you put in front of them. Why? Because they know what hunger is. And so when we look at our life, man, let's be grateful. Grateful for what God has given us. And so when we come before God, it's like, God, thank you. Thank you because I know you have the power to answer my prayer. Thank you because I know that you are listening to me. And you may be wondering, why is it that I have and they don't have? Could it be that God has given you many blessings so that you can be a blessing to others? And that's who we serve. That's what Love Unlimited is all about. We want to be a blessing to the city and the places where God puts us. And so the problem is indecision. The solution is we need to get wisdom. We need to get wisdom. James says this, get wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to him. And then he gives us three practical steps. The first thing is you got to admit. You got to admit that you need wisdom. Verse 5, if any of you lacks wisdom. I detect a little bit of sarcasm here from James. If any of you lacks wisdom. I think all of us lack wisdom. If any of you don't have it all together, see, James is the book of wisdom in the New Testament. In the Old Testament is Proverbs. In the New Testament, James is the book of wisdom. I think we all lack wisdom. I think this is universal. We lack wisdom. And see, wisdom is different than knowledge. And some of you are saying, oh, what do you mean? I'm, I'm so smart. Yeah, you may have all the knowledge in the world, but wisdom is knowledge put into practice. I'll repeat that. Wisdom is knowledge put into practice. Wisdom is seeing life. From God's point of view, wisdom is making decisions the way that God would make those decisions. In the original language, it's Sophia. That's what wisdom is. And so philia Sophia equals philosophy, the love of wisdom. Wisdom means practical application of knowledge. The Bible talks a lot about wisdom, but we're all interested in knowledge. All the, be wise, desire wisdom. He who desires wisdom desires a good thing. And yet all we want is we want to fill our minds with information. Have you ever met someone that's like super smart, but their life is falling apart? And you're like, I don't get it. They're the smartest person I've ever met. And their life is falling apart. You see, because this world is so impressed with knowledge. But God is impressed with wisdom. When I was a teenager and my dad was telling me off and, and I'm like, you'll say it, Bobby. You'll say it. You'll say it. You'll say And he would tell me this. He would say, tú sabes tanto que un día vas a saber a caca. Right? That's it. And I can't translate that, so we can talk after service. 
all right? What do you do with your knowledge? What do you do with all that stuff that you know? And it could be biblical knowledge. It could be, you, you know everything about God. I mean, you could probably school me when it comes to the word of God, but what are you doing with that information that you have? Are you putting it into practice? Are you making good use of it? See, wisdom is the ability to make decisions the way God would make decisions. Proverbs 11, 2 says this, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Simply put, pride blocks wisdom. If you wonder why you've made foolish decisions in your life, pride blocks wisdom. It completely stops. You cannot make a wise decision if you're proud. You can't learn everything or anything if you think you know it all. Think about this. I want to teleport you to a conversation that you've had with someone. And every time you tell them something, they're like, oh, I know. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. And you're thinking like, if you know, then why is this happening to you? Because pride blocks wisdom. Pride also robs us from the blessings that God wants us to have. One of the reasons why we never learn wisdom is because we think we have it all together. So many people think that they have it all together. They have it all figured out. And yet, you may have a great life. You may have a lot of things. From the world looking in, they look and say, man, you have it all together. Yet when you're all alone, when it's just you and your pillow... In that dark room as you're going to bed, you're not happy. You're not complete. And it's because you're not allowing wisdom to be part of your life. You're keeping godly decisions from your life. See, when was the last time that you told someone, you know what, I was wrong? Husbands, when was the last time that maybe you had an argument with your wife and, and uh, after you thought about it, you're like, man, I was wrong. But pride is keeping you from saying, hey, babe, you know what? I'm sorry. Saying I'm sorry, you know what I say I'm sorry does? It shows that you're wise. You know, um, it's not hard for me to say I'm sorry because I make a lot of stupid decisions and idiotic things. And, and um, I've even had to apologize to my kids. Sometimes, you know, they break something, they say something, or you're just having a bad day and you kind of lash out and maybe say something you don't mean. I've literally had to, and I say this in a humble way, I've had to kneel in front of my kids, not because I need to worship them or anything, but they're short, and I want to look at them in their eye. And I said, hey, you know what, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I yelled at you, I'm sorry I said that, I love you so much. And man, my kids, if there's one thing that they could say about their dad is that I love them. And I'm not going to let my pride rob me of the days that I have with them because every single moment that I see them, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're growing up so fast. Don't let pride rob you of your relationships, of your marriage, of your future marriage, of your relationship with your kids. So many adults don't have relationships with their parents because of pride. And initially, it started with mom and dad, maybe things that they did, ways that they treated you, but that has trickled down, and we have become the people that hurt us. We've allowed that pride to now run through our veins, and what we're doing is that we are continuing a life, a legacy of pride that is robbing us of the blessings that God wants us to have. How many times have we told God, God, I don't know. God, I am sorry. There's some of us here today that, that man, maybe, maybe it's none of the stuff that I've talked about, but you and God, 
need to get things right. You and God today, before we leave here, you need to say, God, I am sorry. Sorry for the mistakes that I've made. I'm sorry for ignoring you for so many years. We have to admit that, man, I don't have all the answers. There has to be something more. I mean, when we wake up in the morning, look at the sky, look at ourselves in the mirror, you think that some accident created us? That we just popped up from somewhere? No, God loves you. It's his grace in our lungs. And some of us today, when we leave here today, we just need to say, God, I'm sorry that I've ignored you for such a long time. I was wrong. The second thing we need to do is ask. We need to ask for wisdom. We need to pray to God. We need to say, God, give me wisdom. Talk to him. James says, if any man lacks wisdom, he should ask God. How do you get wisdom? By listening to Joy Behar and and Whoopi Goldberg on on The View. Like, what do they have to say? Oh, but Whoopi said this. Or, Or wait, wait, wait. I know where you get your wisdom from. From blogs. I believe that blogs are destroying humanity. All right? By watching TV. By taking smart pills. The Bible says you get wisdom by asking God. That's where wisdom comes from. Wisdom comes from God. So you talk about it. You ask God, say, God, give me wisdom. Proverbs 2.6 says this, it is the Lord who gives wisdom. From him comes knowledge and understanding. Only God can give you wisdom. And the great thing is that he's willing, ready, and able to give it to you today. See, if God were to come to us today and said, hey, I'll give you whatever you want. Whatever you want. Think about that. Face to face with God, okay. What would you say if for sure 100% I'll give you whatever, whatever you want? One thing, what would it be? See, a guy got a chance to do that once. A guy in the Old Testament did that once. His name was Solomon. And he said, I don't know. I'm a terrible king. I'm not a good leader. God, give me wisdom. He could have asked for riches. He could have asked for fame. He could have asked for the biggest kingdom ever, but he asked for wisdom. And God says, because you asked for a good thing, I'm not only going to give you wisdom, I'm going to give you wealth, I'm going to give you fame, a long life. God is saying to you today, I want to give you a long life. I want to give you wealth. I want to give you fame. I I want to give you health. I want to give you all those things. But seek wisdom. You see, because when we're wise, we're going to make wise decisions. And then all those other things are going to be added unto us. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. See, if God came to you today and he asked you what you wanted, what would you ask for? Would you ask for wisdom? Or would you ask for money? Would you ask for a house? Would you ask for a hot wife or a hot husband? What, what would you ask for today? And so... That's what I want us to think about. God, what is it that you want from my life? Proverbs says this, if you don't get anything, get wisdom. James 4, 2 says, you have not because you ask not. So don't doubt yourself. So many people don't pray because they say, God could never bless me. Why would God give that to me? God gives it to them. God gives them to her. I've seen God do it in someone else's life, but why would God do it in my life? You have not because you ask not. See, as your pastor, I wouldn't dare to lead without asking God for wisdom. I must ask for wisdom at least 50 times a day. And especially when some of you guys call me 
And I'm like, God, please give me wisdom. I'm about to answer the phone, and it's this lady or, or this guy. God, give me wisdom. The third thing is we got to anticipate it. Man, you pray and then expect God to answer. You talk to God and expect him to listen. When my kids say, I'm hungry, they are expecting me to feed them. God is our father. And when we cry out to God, let's expect him to answer us. Expect an answer in faith. Anticipate an answer from God. James 1 says this, when you pray, if you lack wisdom, you should ask for it. God gives generously to all without finding fault. Sometimes you don't pray and you don't ask because you feel guilty. You feel the weight of your bad decisions may be on you. God says that he doesn't find fault in you. He's looking at you through the lens of Christ today, through the forgiveness of Christ. And he wants to give it to you. Expect it. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. You see, we also need to ask the right person. Maybe you've been asking someone else. Maybe you need something in your life and you know someone that has it and you're asking that person for it. Or you're searching the internet for answers in your life when the only one that has the answer for your life is God. See, have you ever prayed a prayer and then when you were done said, yeah, I prayed, but, but I, I knew God wasn't going to answer that. And let's have faith. Let's be a people of faith that when people think of you and people think of me, they're like, man, there goes a guy with wisdom. There goes a lady that's wise. There goes someone who has the favor of God on their life. Who here wants the favor of God on their life? Let me see your hands. Do you want the favor of God in your life? You want when the world looks at you the same way when we look at other people? Yesterday we went and we fed the homeless and then we went to two different locations for a bunch of hours and then we went to hang out at the wharf, which is like right there. We can see it from here. And we sat there and we watched as boats went by. And what do you think we were thinking? Like, man, wow, I wonder what he does. I wonder what all those girls did to get on that boat. I mean, you wonder and you size people up. Imagine if when people saw you, they didn't see your boat or your car or your accolades and they said, man, there goes a wise person. There goes a wise lady. There's a wise young man and a wise young woman. Imagine if instead of people measuring our success by the things that we had, they would measure it by the favor of God on our life. See, doubt is debilitating. It hinders God from working in your life. Remember Peter? When Peter walks on water? What happens? The first step, he gets out of the boat. The first thing you need to do to have faith, to trust in God is get out of the boat. Step out of that relationship that you're in that's drowning you, that's taking you down. Stop going to the places that you know you shouldn't be going to. And they could be virtual places or they can be physical places. Or maybe it's places in your mind. And I think those are the most dangerous ones sometimes. And you're not crazy, by the way. There is a spiritual war that is going on every single second for your life, for your soul, for your thoughts. And the majority of our battles are lost right here. You think, why, why would God want to do anything for me? Don't doubt. Doubt is going to debilitate you. And we see it in Peter. Peter got out of the boat. 
And then he's walking on water. And he's like, I shouldn't be walking on water. And what happened? He started to sink because he took his eyes off of Jesus. Maybe you've gotten out of the boat and you've lived for God and life has gone great for you for a season and now you're starting to sink. Now you feel like you're drowning, you're treading and you're wondering why is this happening to me? Keep your eyes on Jesus. Maybe for you the problem is great. Man, this problem is huge. I have good news for you. God specializes in big problems. God specializes in the impossible. If someone told you, oh, it's impossible. You're never going to do that. You're never going to achieve that. You're never going to get out of this thing. You're never going to get out of this hurt that you have in your life. God specializes in the impossible. So if you're hurting, if you're facing an impossible situation in your life, I want to say congratulations. Because God specializes in that thing that you're going through. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. And in a moment, we're going to pray. And I want to pray for you. I want to help you to see beyond your problem. I want to help you to see beyond your insecurity, your indecision, your doubt. I want to help you see beyond that impossible thing in your life right now. I want to help you the same way that Jesus, when Peter was drowning, he said he cried out to God and cried out to Jesus and Jesus saved him. Today, we need to cry out to Jesus. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a couple of things I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, if this podcast has ministered to you and you would like to help us continue reaching people that need to be inspired by the word of God, please consider making a donation at GodLovesMiami.com. That's GodLovesMiami.com. And we'll see you next time on the God Loves Miami podcast.